our dubious impressions out of the way off air it is time for episode nine of star wars no the news talk sic or tristy league podcast myself richie mccormick and my colleague Oshin langan hi charming as ever uh, well, what, what, what do you want from me? Nothing. I'm just, you know, a little bit more warm. When we started this, it was all fun, and it was just cool being around each other. Now, Whoa. it's like you have this tone with me, and I don't know what you want. All I've tried to do over the last nine podcasts is try to make you happy. All I want is a bit more pizzazz. A bit more showmanship, pushing. Come on. God's sake. So you think... What would it take you, to so spark... Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. A little bit of dazzling of your clothes. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. You think I can cook your meals. Yeah. Look after the kids. Yeah. Work full time. Yeah. And still have pizzazz after all this time. I would like some pizzazz. Sometimes I just don't think you get me. People who listen to this podcast would appreciate some pizzazz. Uh, on the way this week, we'll speak to Ben Blake of the 42.ie. We'll reflect on a good week for Sligo Rovers, who got their second win of the season, but the biggest one of the season so far for Dave Robertson's side. 2-0 away to early high flyers. Derry City, a magnificent win for them. But it's Dundalk who remain out on top on 25 points, four clear of the pack after their 2-0 victory. At Bowes, who didn't d- disgrace themselves entirely. I was is, is worried that, going sorry, into... I'm uh, sorry, as a Bowes fan, is that the standard you're now going for? We didn't disgrace ourselves. I'm not going to lie to you. When they kicked off on Friday evening, I feared the worst. Because Dundalk are a very, very, very good side. Away from home, as we mentioned before, a couple of weeks ago. They're excellent. And Bowes have been mediocre at best. I'm being kind so far this season. You know negativity seeps from the stands and into the players uh, I know that better than anybody from it's the true. show yeah uh, so yeah it's been not a great start for Bose, but she will get to that uh, eventually and yeah other than that no great shocks across the league uh, Wexford and Finn Harfstrong won a piece Shamrock Rovers getting back in the rails with the 2 and the victory at home to Bray Longford getting a point away to go a decent point for them but they're still bottom of the table in Cork 1-0 victors at home to St. Pat's a uh, victory that keeps Cork in touch yes and it's one of those weird weeks where we had the league uh, round of fixtures but we also had the EA Sports Cup it's in the game uh, on Monday night and, and Tuesday with uh, Limerick getting a good win <laughs> sorry I noticed it maybe one of you wouldn't have done okay uh, Limerick <laughs> getting a good win at home they're 12 points clear at the top of the first division we're going to hear from Martin Russell very shortly uh, and also Derry City getting a good win at Cork Derry City doing well in the EA Sports Cup yes unheralded times yes you know we're filling time when I actually have a lot of work put into a roundup with audio and we you know we hear from managers and stuff. Will we get to that now? Yes, let's do it. Here's Oshin with the wrap. Everyone starts going, here's the gaffer, quick! Those of us with some depth will say it's what's beneath the surface that counts. But no one in the footballing world will agree with those sentiments. And this week, both Dermot Keeley and Stuart Byrne have followed UCD boss Colly O'Neill in coming down hard on bad pitches. O'Neill and Keeley referred specifically to Cabin Teeley's base at Stradbrook, which is the home of Black Rock Rugby, who played on the pitch just hours before Cabin Teeley hosted UCD. As always, Stuart Byrne gave off the ball's Tuesday League of Ireland slot his thoughts. The one core emotion of a footballer is that mm. when he sees a nice pitch, he wants to go and play. Yeah, yeah, you sure. Know, yeah. He wants to go, and it will make you go and play. You know, and unfortunately, the pitches are, are, are of a poor standard. It's a collective mentality that we that we need to deal mm. with. It's just one thing. I mean, you know, I can deal with. Poor facilities that can deal with, 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 with below par dressing rooms, you know, lukewarm showers, whatever the case may be. When it comes to the playing surface, we shouldn't be, be I shouldn't right. have to be, you know, given out about it. Now, Cabin Teeley aren't the only ones getting criticism about their pitch. Here's Bohemian's boss Keith Long speaking about his own team's playing surface following the 2 0 defeat to Dundalk at Dalymount Park. Yeah, the pitch is awful. 
it's terrible, you know, and it hasn't got much better. And it doesn't certainly help us when we're trying to play a little bit. Um, maybe we get criticised for being a little bit direct, um, but it's very difficult to try and play any any um, attractive uh, passing um, yeah, football on that pitch. So, um, unfortunately, it's just the way it is at the moment. So. Um, We'll have to see if we can improve upon it as the, as the weather gets better. It hasn't been easy, obviously, the weather's been poor, but it doesn't help both teams um, and it certainly doesn't help us. Cork City are second ahead of their trip to Bray this Saturday, but a win against St Pat's last Friday was followed by a 2-1 defeat to Derry City at Turner's Cross on Monday in the EA Sports Cup quarter-final. John Caulfield was disappointed that some of his fringe players didn't take the chance they were given. Either way, we had six players that couldn't play tonight anyway. So if we had a league match, they wouldn't have been able to play. So, you know, there was a lot of positives with some performances and then there were some players that didn't do as well as I thought they might. You never you never like to lose or, or go out. But I suppose with the, with the, the you know, there's bigger fish out there, there's bigger games and uh, most importantly for us is that... Um, you know, we've Bray Saturday night back in the league and we have three games in six days, which is horrendous. And uh, it's, you know, it, there are three massive matches for us. Derry lost 2-0 at home to Sligo Rovers last week, meaning their third one point behind Cork City. Kenny Shields was glad they bounced back at Turner's Cross in the League Cup, but not as glad as the Drive 105 FM commentary team. Boyle gets a yard of room, Kenny finish it. Boyle stretches and Boyle puts it across, must be. Oh, yes! Oh, Yes, Derry City, 2 well up! Dean Jarvis puts it under the goal! We came with courage and, and took the ball. Uh, we've been talking about it. We have to start playing again because Sligo was a massive disappointment for me. And I was worried in case we slipped out of our momentum. But hopefully that uh, garners some momentum back and we go to St Pat's now with a, a better frame of mind. Shamrock Rovers are fifth following their 2-0 win against Bray, which was followed by a win on penalties against Shelburne in the EA Sports Cup. Stewie Byrne believes things will get better now that they have their key man back. I still think Dundalk and Cork are the two that are going to push for the league title, but I, I do see Rovers as being uh, the strongest contender to take up that third place, maybe even push for second. I think it was significant for them um, in the Bray game. Obviously, a win... Um, off the back of two poor results um, but they've gotten Steve McPhail back um, from injury which is a big big yeah, boost to them yeah. and he he played 90 minutes um, I think he's a huge player for them yeah, absolutely spent a lot of last season on the bench and he was yeah and I, you know anytime I've seen him play last year I just think he's he's, he's such a huge he's a calming influence on the players on, on, on the team players want to give him the ball they're very very comfortable giving him the ball and he just he takes them over he gets them playing um, and I think uh I think he'll be the one player that Pat will be focusing on, trying to keep him fit. Um, because I think if he is fit and if he plays, he's a, he's a big player for them, a big player yeah. for them. Now, last Monday in England, if you're into following foreign leagues, Expos player Stephen Ward and his Burnley teammates bounced straight back into the Premier League following their relegation last season. Limerick look like they're going to do the same over here, but they are looking far more comfortable, far more earlier than Burnley did in the Championship. Limerick, 12 points ahead of the nearest competitors in the first division. They're going well in the EA Sports Cup as well. They beat Galway United 2-0 at home on Tuesday night, meaning they're into the last four. Their manager, Martin Russell, told Limerick Live 95 FM the cup run is a very good challenge. It'll be good for us, as, as tonight was, to challenge ourselves against these teams that are in the Premier and see how far we are off them, you know. So we're looking forward to that when it comes around. But this one now is out of the way. We're focusing back on the league until the next cup game comes along.
And very finally, the support, we always give them a mention, great support tonight, they got behind you. It was probably the best attendance over the three games or four games in the last couple of days, almost a thousand. It looked like more, but still yeah. healthy crowd. Yeah, it's great for them. Um, I say the, the, the team are doing well for them and their returner are delivering some great support. I think it's helping the lads lift their game and um, we want that to continue. Caroline, the arse has ripped out of me trousers here. Nice and Roddy, nice one. Oshin for rounding up the week's news. That's okay. Yeah, uh, you're very welcome. You're a good man, uh, and that isn't patronising in the slightest. Uh, no. Joined on the line. Get your hand off my head. I will, and your thigh as well, which was uh, neatly placed. I've been uh, doing a lot of leg work. You have indeed. And do you know it's paying who has, off. Do you know who has never missed a leg day in his entire life? Noel Connors, the Waterford cornerback in hurling. I w- I know this is going slightly off topic. But I was watching him after the game. Actually, that just Closely. sounds creepy. Yeah. I was How, observing the warm down oh, yeah. as the players walked Still. off the pitch. And then I did an interview with him afterwards. And it, it's like he's got two sequoias. Like, it's just... Sequoias. Mi- sequoias. Sicko- what did I say? Sequoias? Sequoias. Sequoias. <laughs> it's like he's got... Well, you get the point that I'm making. Bring this back onto the road quickly. Yeah, okay. Uh, will we get to our guest? Ben Blake of the 42.ie. Welcome. And uh, thank you for putting up off air with Oshin's Noel Connors thigh chat. <laughs> no problem at all. He's got big ties. All day. It's disgusting, O'Shane. It's not disgusting. It's an observation. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm not objectifying. You him. are I'm objectifying the man's poor legs. They're and he's got a replay to warm up for on there's Sunday. There's nothing poor about them. I can tell you that. Anyway, Ben, you're very welcome uh, to the podcast for the very first time, making your debut on it as well. Uh, so cheers. Um, it's been a recovery week, I suppose, in the sense of Shamrock Rovers. We discussed last week, and Dan Murray expanded upon this further about how they're kind of below power at the moment and short of a lot pretty much through the centre and the spine of the team they got back on track last week with a 2-0 victory over Bray Wanderers and this week coming have what looks like an easy enough trip on paper away to the bottom side Longford Town is it going to take much to rectify the yields of Shamrock Rovers in your eyes? Um, Look they haven't been up to the standard that they probably have set before the the league started but I mean, they still have a, a good core of players there. Funny enough, I was uh, I was actually at a 30th birthday party of Gary McCabe's sister on Sunday, and he was joking away that he had that he had done a Razor Ruddock and got sent off purposely against Dundalk so he could miss Monday's game in the EA Sports Cup. Was he eating an egg sandwich at the time? Sandwich, sorry. Sandwich. Sorry. You have to keep in mind, Bill. I'm very much a, a GA drafty into this. Sorry, go on. There was, there was finger food there in, indeed yeah uh, it's not the only similarity you would have between uh, Neil Ruddock Neil Ruddock as we mentioned thighs a little bit earlier on when he was at Swindon had to get specially made shorts for himself because his thighs were too big but that's another story <laughs> for another day um, I don't know how much depth you went into with Gary McCabe clearly there was a frustration underlying in his sending off there against Dundalk yeah I think he just uh, in the Dundalk game they were definitely being overplayed and, and kind of temperatures boiled over but um, ha- I suppose having Steven, Stephen McFrayle back in the team is, is probably a huge bonus. He he can control the game from that deep line role in midfield. Is that stat rammed home by his performance against Brains? Stewie Byrne, we heard him mention it a few minutes ago, said that players look to give him the ball, which is kind of strange when you consider the talent that's in that Rovers team. Yet, when McPhail pops up, it's like daddy's home. Yeah, I suppose just the vast amount of experience that he's got. He's an ex-Ireland international. He played away for so many years, so he's definitely a player that inevitably the, the rest of the lads are going to look up, look up to. Funnily enough, I um, I watched Dean Clark play against Dundalk a couple of weeks ago, and he looked completely out of his depth. He was substituted in the second half in that game, but he looks much improved. He, he scored two goals in his last two games against Bray and, and in the A Sports Cup, so... 
he could actually offer something a bit different to Mikey Drennan and Danny North because they haven't exactly been firing in the goals from the from the striking department. What's gone wrong with Drennan? Because it really hasn't fired from this season yet. Yeah, it is. It's a strange one because when he did join, when he joined last season with Mila, it was an injection of youth. It was two players that had come through at Premier League team uh, academies, and they looked like they could they could uh, kind of take the league by storm. And he did very well last season in times, but he, he's just he's gone off the ball completely. It's it's another one. Is it a lack of service issue or quite possibly? Yeah, um, they don't have a huge like as I spoke there. Mila is. It's probably their most creative outlet at the moment. He, he's got himself a couple of goals. And, and speaking about McCabe, McCabe in that Bohemians game put you some, some great true balls. But other than that, I suppose they haven't really been creating too much. With Simon Madden getting down the right-hand side from, from full-back is, is probably an outlet. But whether the service, or not, the service is there or not, it's, it's a hard one to say. Is Simon Madden specifically a full-back? The reason I ask, and this is... Um Look, this is a silly question from someone who is not a tactician when it comes to football. Um, he seems to be a real impact player. He gets up and down that wing. He works incredibly hard. He uses the ball well. So, could you consider putting him into a more central position to have more effect on a game? As in playing central midfield? Central midfield, maybe on the wing, maybe you know the, the uh, left of midfield, wherever. Yeah, well, possibly maybe the right hand side of midfield. We've we've seen fullbacks in the past kind of be played further up the up the pitch. Um, Seamus Coleman was kind of something similar happened to him. He was played at right wing for a time, so there'd be no issue, I suppose, of playing him there. And he does have that defensive ability then to to track back and help out if they were to to put him in that position. Is the worry for Rovers, I suppose, at this point of the season? I know we've only got ten games played; we're only approaching the uh, the one third mark of the season. But is the worry for them that they're kind of locked in this almost plate competition, as it were, between everybody from, I suppose, Cork on the way downwards uh, to St. Pat's in the middle of the table? Yeah, I think that's the reality of it. I'm, I'm sure Pat Fennan would would have loved to be thinking that they can push and, and try and break into that top two but it's it's we've seen them play the, the top two teams in the last couple of weeks and they were they were second best by a long shot in, in both games Are Dundalk that much far ahead of everybody else? Well at the moment I don't think they're playing to, they're not playing to their full capacity and, and they're still sitting there on top of the league you know I think I think there's more to come from Dundalk mm. um, as the season probably progresses they've got so many options especially when you look at the, the midfield players that they have um, I think that we might see them pull away. Are they a lot different at home style-wise, Dundalk? Given that teams probably go and, um, yeah, I'm okay using the cliche, park the bus. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely the case. Um, I was up in Oriel Park for the for the court game, and we spoke we spoke to John Caulfield after, and he said, "Oh, well, if teams come here and start playing." playing attacking football then they might get something but in reality that that wasn't what happened they cork sat in they sat tight they kind of absorbed the pressure and then they went and nicked the goal so um i think that's been the case with a lot of teams that have gone up to the oriel park and i suppose that's what we've seen then with dundalk going away from home and having such a, a great record on the road because they're playing teams that are at home that might might kind of change their their style of play we had Stephen O'Donnell on last week. He actually was totally cool with me asking about the towel effect. And um, I even said it to him, you know, on a scale of one to ten, how sick of this question are you? And he wasn't because he gets it. He understands. He's intelligent on the field and obviously quite intelligent off it. Mm-hmm. Finn and Horgan, though, have really stepped up for Dundalk. 
they really have yeah like I suppose it's, like you said it's it's been something that's been discussed over and over when Tell was leaving who was going to come in they signed McElhenney and Benson and to be fair the, the two have done well McElhenney was out injured for a while Benson hasn't been in he's been in and out of the team but like you said Ronan Finn had been signed the previous year and I suppose he was given a kind of year with Tell still there he was given a year to to kind of embed into the team without having to be the big star but he's he's come on and he's firing on all cylinders and as you said Daryl Horgan last last Friday night was just was wonderful his his free kick was was uh, outstanding and then just his feet and awareness then for the second goal was was brilliant so like Horgan's been one of the, the top players in the league for for the last number of years and I suppose it's a little bit surprising that he that he's still here and it's just great for the league that that we have a talent like him is it surprising that it's taken this, this long, I suppose, for the wider community to notice the talents of Daryl Horkin? Because, as you mentioned, for the past two, three, four seasons, really, he has been one of the star performers in the league. Yeah, that's it, exactly. I suppose in a team like Dundalk, where there are so many stars and that other team, other players might grab the headlines, but any, anyone that, that would watch the the league here regularly w- would have known of, of Horgan's ability for, for some time. Just before we let you go, Ben, um, a lot of talk about surfaces and playing surfaces and the fact that some of them are not up to scratch is that something that's very noticeable when watching league games and how much of a factor does that have on the overall entertainment factor and the overall ability of teams to play or can it be a, a handy excuse to not play look it can be a hindrance i suppose it, it, it depends well i suppose what kind of team you're putting out there if it's a team that wants to get the ball down and, and play on the ground well then you're obviously going to be at a, a major disadvantage if the service isn't up to standard but then again, the the inferior teams then may may kind of benefit from, from that that they can they can get up among the the opposition and and uh, kind of make it a lot more difficult for them to to play the passing game. You know. All right. Well, Ben, thanks so much for joining us, Ben Blake from the Forty Two It's an interesting week ahead as we reach the one third stage of the Eritrea League Premier Division. Ben, thanks so much. Thanks, lads. It's intermission time. We're happy to have you with us tonight and hope you'll come back often. Thanks once again to Ben from the42.ie and we mentioned at the top of the show uh, that it has been a decent week for Sligo Rovers and we have hauled in from the office our Sligo Rovers expert in the wake of their 2-0 win away to Derry City. Uh, Dan Kelly joins us. The good times are back, gentlemen. Oh, really? Are they? In fairness, this has to an extent I'm not going to say the win over Derry essentially has been coming but an upswing in form has been due for Sligo Rovers I think over the past 3-4 games because yes there have been defeats along the way and yes there have been a couple of uh, disappointing results but ultimately the performances had been improving and Robertson seems to be getting the hang of this and by this I mean the league in general I think that was his issue at the start that he came in fresh off his spell at Peterborough even though he did know the league uh, from what I heard he was very impressive in his knowledge of the league in interviews for the job he knew what he was at he wasn't one of these managers coming in from England blind of what to expect but still until you actually play in the games you don't know how high the level is in the league we had some pretty decent performances we had some absolutely awful performances but I think he's finally getting the knack of things and the weird thing is he's sort of come around to his starting 11 now by fluke yeah and it is a, a weird one and it was always going to take time for him to come around to his favourite starting 11 because so many players had left over the past couple yeah. of years and so many had come in especially in the off season just gone that betting them in and deciding who was going to fit in best where 
was always going to be tricky no matter who was in charge. Yeah, the main issue he had was trying to get two strikers. Uh, Rovers, I would think it's fair to say, have a pretty decent midfield. The defence is still a bit patchy with a lot of uh, former U-team players that have come in that have taken up sort of first-team residency. Yeah. First-team residency, for a better word. We have Michael Schlingerman, who was goalkeeper of the year last year. The issue is... Strikers has been the issue throughout the season and bringing in Raf Kataro he scored now twice in the last two games and that has seen an upsurge in form Raf Kataro playing extremely well and looking extremely well with that fine mane he has um, what about Dave Robertson and some of the younger players he's brought in I know that you're saying that he's kind of stumbled across his best team due to injuries yeah. but surely there has been a benefit of playing guys who wouldn't have been that accustomed to the league or guys who have only recently joined up with the league well there's two ways looking at this he's brought in a lot of U-team players from England he has then brought in uh, some players from the U-team setup in the showgrounds players like Gary Boylan who has gone in now centre half has done excellently in the last few weeks and he's certainly a player for the future and even when someone like Gavin Pearce comes back uh, to full fitness I think Boylan will be hard pressed to be pushed out of the team he's been that impressive uh, players from England he's uh, brought in a former Irish under 21 international Karen Sadlier hmm. and Sadlier only signed for the season but last week after the win against Longford he signed on for another season next year so they're finally getting into this they're bringing in players who are realising it's taken them a few games what the league is like and I expect now the second two thirds of the season to be far more impressive how important is Gavin Pearce? Because, you know, he's very experienced, he's a leader and a cheap Leicester tie-in. He can get you goals a la Wes Morgan. Anything for a Leicester tie-in, yeah. We're just, uh, we're tying Leicester in because obviously that's the clickbait of the week. Desperate for hits. Well, yeah. and, he, and he fights like Conor McGregor. Exactly. He doesn't. <laughs> clickbait. Uh, Pearce, to be perfectly honest, hasn't played that much this season. He came in late okay. into the squad. Uh, he had fitness issues at the start of the season. He has fitness issues now. And honestly, I, I may be the writer for saying this, I don't think the team have missed him that much. Uh, as I said, Boylan has done pretty well. Uh, the defence has done all right. Piers may come back into the squad. Whether he starts, he may need an injury from Boylan or a poor run of form. But I think so far he hasn't been missed that much. Critaro. Yeah. Some man. What a man for one man. Uh, he is the second uh, most appearances for Rovers after the I'm sorry, can we not call him by his proper title? The Tubber Curry the Tornado. Curry tornado Tur- which I think <laughs> most people in Sligo obviously hate, myself included. But Why? It's a cool name. Okay. It's, it's a great cool name. name. It's a great yeah. name. Wish yeah. I had that name. Uh, You're the Tub of Curry Tornado. Gladly. He, <laughs> He's the second most capped player in Rovers history after Tony Fagan. Uh, it's his what, second spell at the club when he went to Bohemians. Which didn't really fire for him. No. I saw a lot of that. And yeah, bar, I think it was the away game at St. Pat's towards the end of the season when we were still in with a shout of win the league it was that Saturday where there was a double bill on and we played St. Pat's in the early game and I think Rovers played Sporting Fingal and it looked like at that stage it was all going to go uh, arse over teacup for Rovers didn't in the end clearly uh, but Raf, that was his only real kind of day in the sun yeah he it's it was a spell that sort of left him in the bad books of Rovers fans for a long time this was before the so-called golden era and I suppose uh, a rural town mentality in Ireland everyone will think we have a local leaving going to Dublin to better himself how dare he do this <laughs> is that what they think of you uh, no I wouldn't go that far at all do no, they even know you're gone I pretty I very much doubt it um, what about Sligo as a club and the fact that English managers go there and by and large seem to work quite well yeah. what is it about it, English fun- managers going to Sligo and the town taking to them and then taking to the town I think what you said the town it's everyone knows everyone uh these managers come in, it's a it's a club that through good times or bad will be supported. You'll see these players walking in O'Connell Street in Sligo Town. 
they're accessible. People, they can get to know the community very easily. The community gets to know them. They're one of the clubs uh, through sort of previous regimes that are going out to schools on weekly basis. They have camps through the Easter holidays, summer holidays, Halloween. These players and managers are faces that are known. They're approachable. And I think that's why they're so popular. We've seen people like Steve Cottrell, Laurie Sanchez, Paul Cook have done very well in the showgrounds and have gone back to England. And maybe Robertson thinks after a spell at Peterborough that that's something he can do for himself to go back. They can almost rejuvenate themselves. Exactly. Northwest. Yeah. Uh, sort of Doctor Who-like capabilities. Well, that's the first comparison we've had of a Sligo Rovers manager to Doctor Who in the podcast. Nerd! Yeah, totally justified as well. Uh, Dan Kelly, thank you so much for joining us and telling us all about your insights to Sligo Rovers' season onwards and upwards for them, uh, it would seem, at the moment. Cheers, Dan, and uh, we'll catch you again, probably when we walk outside the studio and pass you at your desk. That would make sense. And that will just about do it for this week's News Talk SSE, our Tristy League podcast, a week in which... Uh, you know, Rovers got back on track, Dundalk cemented their status as league leaders and we didn't even find mention of Leicester City. But that's a really good cheap way of getting clicks. And you know what? Rory O'Hagan of Red FM, he just he just happens to be on the line here. Wow. That's really strange. What right, were the chances? Uh, it's not like we set this up beforehand. No. no, it's not like he frantically called me two minutes before you decided on the segment and said, can you come on? Can you come on? Rory, quit breaking the fourth wall here, mate. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, sorry. Yes, I'm delighted to be on your podcast. Thanks, guys. Rory, isn't it refreshing to know that since our days working together in Red FM, I have not changed a bit and my forward planning is FAI circa 2002-like. Is that good to know or is it kind of sad at the same time? Oh, I think it's a little from column A, a little from column B. <laughs> um, the reason we want to talk to Rory, obviously... We want to do a cheap tie into Leicester City. But you know what the good thing is? is There is an actual story here. This is not just clickbait. Yes, it's, um, it's not just clickbait. It's although, not. although, let's be honest. Honestly. It is clickbait. And Conor McGregor is involved too. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rory, the tie in between Leicester City and Cork City, it happened because of a man called Colin Murphy. I will let you fill in the blanks, so to speak. Yeah, my blood is boiling at the mention of his name, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. What happened was, um, back in the year 2000, a link-up was proposed between um, Leicester City and uh, Cork City, which to the average Cork City fan, um, which was me at the time, um, just saw that as Leicester coming in, um, cherry-picking our best players, um, giving us a pittance, patting us on the head and saying, ah, oh, thanks for that, lads, sure, aren't you great? Uh, and that's essentially what happened. Colin Murphy was was our manager at the time um, of this link-up. Uh, he was in Cork for a month, two months tops. He was in charge for one game, I believe it was um, a Super Cup game against Bohemians, um, but left the job just, uh, just oh, don't, oh, don't said, right lads, I'm gone, good luck. I'm taking up a director of football role with Leicester or some sort of role with Leicester and I'm taking Damien Delaney with me. Um, Damien Delaney was uh, a massive prospect at the time for Cork City, a big, strong centre-half. Um, he was 18, 19 at the time, I think, and uh, really, really highly rated. You could see he was going to go across channel eventually, but um, ended up going off with Colin Murphy for practically nothing. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. This is not left a sour taste in the mouth at all, I can clearly tell. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, like, the, the, I remember um, being part of a protest at the time. There was, I was 16 at the time of this, so I was, but this is back my more militant FAI fandom <laughs> days, or League of Ireland fandom days, I should say. And um, there was a protest, Cork City response by Guinness at the time. So there was um, there was Guinness House down by Cork City Hall, and that's where the, the, the this Leicester link-up was launched. And myself and a couple of pals just printed up some signs saying, like, you know, F off Leicester, no to the Leicester 
to link up and all that kind of crack and we're outside looking all glum faced as yeah. like you know the media come in just snigger at us and walk on by uh, but our, our photograph made the, the evening echo the, the, the paper in Cork City here and uh there's the four of us just looking really, really glum holding up our sign saying F off Leicester. <laughs> I love that, the four of us. Uh, but that would that would be a genuine yellow bar story on Sky Sports News down there protesting outside the sponsors. Uh, Rory, was there ever any tangible benefit to Cork City out of this link? Uh, not that I can remember. I mean, like... Um... Because this was before the days that you'd really benefit if you moved a player on to England and he got big moves as as Damien Delaney did in his career yeah essentially yeah I mean like I, I don't even know if there was any like add-ons in Damien's contract sell-on clauses and all that kind of crack I don't actually know but from what I can remember and what I can gather there was no real benefit other than that Leicester were going to come in take our best players for nothing and then uh, run away laughing gleefully um, it, it didn't really happen that way I mean like Damien was the only player that left us for Leicester thankfully um, I, I don't think the link-up lasted all that long uh, thanks to Colin Murphy, I suppose, just leaving for Leicester. But, um, yeah, I couldn't see... I can't remember any benefit being mentioned for Cork City other than the fact that, yeah, your best player is going to be going to Leicester. Was Murphy and Delaney upping sticks literally the end of it? I think so. I mean, like, it was 16 years ago. I'm struggling to remember. I remember yeah. leaving um, school to go to that protest. It was a Wednesday. If it wasn't a Wednesday, and if it didn't have a half day, it wouldn't have made the protest and it wouldn't have made the press launch. So, um, yeah, I think that was pretty much the end of it. I mean, like, as soon as Delaney left, um, everyone got very, very angry down here. And then it just seemed to filter out. I just, I, I just remember very little mention of it after that. Well, you can see the upside of this. At least he didn't end up like home farm and with you know slightly dodgy looking Everton jerseys. He didn't end up with slightly dodgy <laughs> don't looking. You, sorry, don't blue. you mean don't you mean home farm Everton? Home farm Everton. That's what I meant. They ended up passing on their jerseys to him, if I remember correctly, with a slightly different sponsor. It might have been altered. You see, you didn't end up having to change your colours to blue to suit Leicester and with I don't know Walker's Crisp scrubbed out and maybe I don't know Tato just written in in marker or something like that <laughs> no that would have been uh, horrendous altogether <laughs> imagine Cork City Cork City were playing in red at the time not green as well yeah. so going from red to blue would have been a horrendous there would have been an uproar then wouldn't there that would have been class actually Rory how did you feel about Leicester winning the Premier League do you still harbour bitterness towards them yeah, even though the administration is completely red. different Different. and there's actually a Cork man on the board <laughs> yeah there's a, a guy from Ballyhan is one of their commercial directors I think I can't remember his name offhand now but uh, he's uh, working very very hard there uh, no, it's all water under the bridge. I mean, like I was 16 then. I mean, like uh, I'm married with a kid now. I'm settled down. I, like football doesn't get me as angry these days. Um, then so... why do you keep sharing that gif about Leicester not applying <laughs> uh, to financial fair play laws when they're in League uh, One? Yeah, yeah, really. like, why are you like, supporting a ban on, on Foxes? <laughs> I mean, it's just he was up on his horse and all the gear and everything. Yeah, it was all good. But yeah, I was delighted to see Leicester win. Like you know, um, great story and all that. Um, but yeah, it's just that little chapter back in the year 2000. Um, 16 years ago now which is kind of a, an interesting footnote in the history of League of Ireland and particularly Cork City Yes indeed it is Rory Hagen from Red FM thanks so much for joining us and telling us all about your hatred for Leicester City and making up possibly the best ad hoc piece that we've had on the podcast so far no, Totally planned Totally. <laughs> thanks, Rory guys, just happened to be on the line Dan gave us a lovely little factoid ahead of this week's fixtures um, that Sligo Rovers are the last team in the league to play Wexford Youths competitively this coming weekend. Fair play to you. I would have stolen Dan's stat and claimed it as my own. It. Well, that's you all over, really, isn't it? No pizzazz and a thief. Let's go through the fixtures. In the Premier Division, St. Pat's taking on Derry. Dundalk meeting Galway United and Finn Harps playing Bulls. Those are the Friday night games. Uh, the Dundalk-Galway game is on Satanta Ireland. It's Satanta's first League of Ireland venture this 
season as Lone Town take on Drada United and Waterford United play UCD those in the, the first division on Saturday Bray welcome Cork City to the Carlisle grounds at 7.30 of course Bray managed by Longford Town take on Shamrock Rovers <laughs> at 7.30 in the City Calling Stadium. Sligo Rovers take on Wexford Youths. Actually, did you know that uh, Sligo are the last team in the League of Ireland to play Wexford? I didn't know uh, that. Well, there you go. And in the first division, Cabin Teeley meet Shelburne at 3 o'clock in Stradbrook. And Cove Ramblers meet Limerick at 7.15. We talked about Limerick earlier on. The runaway leaders Hashtag at the top of the first division. They're 12 points. points clear, which is pretty amazing. It is indeed. They're going to win it by... I suppose the end of July at this stage. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us during the week, you can do so via the Twitter machine. I'm at Richie McCormack. I'm at Oshin Langan. And uh, yeah, if we haven't spoken about your club this week, it is because you don't know the reason. You don't matter. You don't need to be talked about. And if you feel we were biased against your club, you're probably right because yes. we really hate you. Indeed. We have no time for you. You know. We'll talk to you next week. Take care.